John chapter 6. We're going to start there with verse 22. If you'll look there with me. Jesus speaking about being the bread of life. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? (laughs) I like it, don't you? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They must have been Baptists. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the God that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our father ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, listen to this. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for this account. Lord, your word speaks to our heart this morning in so many ways. And Lord, I pray as, as we dig into this, this passage of Scripture, Lord, that, that Lord, I, I pray that I will step out of the way and that your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts this morning. God, that you would speak to me. As we continue to study who is this Jesus. And Lord, the, the very fact of the matter is that you have called us, you have called all people today to believe and to live. And life only comes through belief. And belief only comes as a gift from you. Father, would you speak to hearts today? May you be glorified. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I love this passage here. I say it every week. But I love this passage where Jesus, he gives himself a name. He tells people who he is. And, and I know about you guys, over the past 11 weeks, we've been studying who is Jesus. Who is this Christ? There's a lot of people who want to give a definition as to who Jesus is. Your, your scholars and colleges and historical societies will tell you, well, Jesus was a real person who existed. They'll even tell you that Jesus was hung up on a cross. But churches, believers in Jesus Christ today, we understand that Jesus is the bread of life. That Jesus is the only way to heaven. And that through him we can be saved. No doubt there's a bunch of us in here today that are saved. We've accepted Christ as our Savior. We're walking with Jesus. We we understand what it means to have new life. And for us today, I believe the call to know Jesus is important. We don't need to to discount that. We don't need to say, well, I know Jesus and then just kind of make it sterile. We need to be a people who are constantly knowing Jesus more and more and more. 
drawing ever closer to him. And in this reading, I see a Jesus who's inviting us to know him more. Brother Joe and I were talking this morning. Last week's sermon, I didn't have enough time, but Joe, man, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I had the same thoughts too. You know, you've got this story of Jesus and, and, and the disciples go out in the boat and Jesus walks on the water. We talked about this last week. And Jesus walks out on the water. But then at the end of that little telling, it does say that they immediately appeared on the other side of the lake. Now that's really cool stuff, right? And, and Joe, we're going to talk more about time travel pretty soon, okay? I promise you. We were a little bit rushed this morning. But there is this, this miracle that happens on the water, right? And Jesus goes across the lake, and he's sitting over there with his disciples. And then I guess the next morning, the other people wake up, and they're like, where did this Jesus go? And they go down, and they don't see the disciples. They don't see Jesus. They didn't see Jesus get in a boat. They're trying to figure out how this happened. So it says they get in the boats, and they cross the water. And they get to Capernaum, and they go over there, and they find Jesus. And they ask Jesus a question. <laughs> Hey, how did you get here? Well, we, we were watching you. You know, we were, we, were, we were eyes on you this whole time, and all of a sudden you're not here. How did you get where you're going? And I believe Jesus, when he's talking to them here, he, he's, he's wanting to, to prime a, a conversation with them so that they can be saved. This isn't just a conversation between people. You might go to a restaurant, or you might go to Walmart or somewhere and you just have a conversation with someone and it's just kind of in passing and you go. But you know, when we read in scripture, every time that Jesus talks with someone, there's a reason to it. And if you're a believer today, I believe we need to focus our lives in the same way that everyone that you talk to, there's someone who needs to know Jesus. Whether they're saved or not, they need to know Jesus. And, and following who Christ is, Christ is a very conversational savior. He's talking to these people and he's, he's not just having conversation. He could have told them, Joe, Hey, you know, I, I, I hit a wormhole right there in the middle of the lake and all of a sudden we're on the other side. He didn't tell them that. He didn't go into detail about how he is not constrained by time, but rather he leads them to know who he is, that he is, as we read here in a moment, the bread of life. But the first point I want us to get out of verse 27 this morning is this. God not only desires works, but he requires works. Now, everybody chew on that for a minute, okay? I know we're Baptists and and we believe, well, we're saved by what? By grace, right? Grace through faith. So God doesn't desire what? He doesn't desire works, surely. We're not saved by works. Well, I think what we see here is Jesus gives a clear definition as to what works are and what salvation is. We don't want to miss that because that's important stuff. Because no doubt there are people within the church who feel like if they're good enough, if they're smart enough, then God's going to like them, right? They're they're going to do great things because of what God has done, yes, but also because of what they have done. But I want to tell you this morning, there is not enough works in this world to save you. You can work all day long. But at the same time, I want you to understand that God requires us to be people who work. We must be busy about the Father's business. It's not what saves us, but it's what defines us. As a believer in Jesus Christ today, you are defined by your works that God has placed before you. I mean, what kind of preacher would I be if I didn't get up on Sunday mornings and preach, right? And I think it's the same for all of us today. What kind of evangelists are we if we don't go and tell people about Jesus? See, in James 2, we read where as the body apart from the spirit, is dead. So also, faith, apart from works, is dead. They go hand in hand. Because we're saved, we're going to do good works. It's not the other way, though. When when we come to Jesus, we're going to want to do good works. We're going to want to see Jesus glorified. And it's wonderful. Guys, I'll tell you something. There's nothing more powerful in your life than to lead someone to Jesus. Hopefully you're praying for your one. Hopefully you're reaching out to people in your community. It's not just a program that we're doing here. Who's your one? It sounds fancy and you can put up posters and wear t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. But I want to tell you something that as the church, we need to be doing this, whether there's a campaign going on or not. Christ commands us to be a people who work. He requires it, actually. He, he commanded his disciples in Matthew 28 to do what? To sit still? To form a denomination? to have a potluck dinner. What did Jesus command them to do? He commanded them to go. We are commanded to be active. The the work of Jesus in our life, it prompts us 
to go and to do good works. The, the people that had the same question, you know, they were like, you know, they're in verse 26, verse 25. They asked that question, when did you come here? And Jesus could have said again, hey, I, you know, I, I'm God and I can travel through time. I can move boats without water. He didn't go that direction, if you'll notice here. Verse 26, he tells him, he says, I see that you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you got your bellies full. That's the Daniel translation. He says, that's not the reason you follow me. You follow me probably because you want some breakfast now. It's time for some eggs, Benedict, and ham, right? You're thinking you're going to get a good breakfast. Man, he fed us good yesterday. He's going to feed us good today, too. He says, that's the reason you're following me here, but that's not the reason I'm here. I'm not here to be your smorgasbord. I'm not here to be your Uber, right? I'm not here to be your uh, anything like that. I, what I'm here to be is your Savior. He says, truly, you're seeking me, but it's not for the, the right reason. And in verse 27, he gives them a direction. Again, Jesus is having a purposeful conversation with a group of people who need to hear it. Look at verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his zeal. Set his seal. This is something that God has done. This is something God has instituted. That there's going to be a Savior, a Messiah. You guys have heard about him. You've been looking for him. The Messiah is now here. And so now you need to do what? Set and watch him? Follow him on a boat? No, it says that you need to do what? to do work. Because he tells them, don't work for food. Don't just work for the stuff of this world. But he says, but for the food that endures. In other words, Jesus is telling them, you need to be working. And you need to be working for the spiritual stuff. Now, good Baptist sitting in this room today. I see you. I appreciate you. As a Southern Baptist, we give a lot of money to missions, don't we? As, as, a, as a Southern Baptist church here in McLeod, Oklahoma, you know, we do a lot of ministry throughout the week, and it happens because people give money. That's good. We need that. You know, we got our Easter offering coming up. We want to surpass that too, don't we? We've been surpassing all these offerings. I'm so blessed by that. But church, I want to, I want to caution this for a moment, that our only works aren't just in writing a check. Our only works aren't just in sitting in the pew, but I believe God is calling us to go and to tell others about Jesus. He's calling us to that. You want to see a church grow? Get busy about the Father's business. You see, we are not defined by our works. We could sit here and do all these ministries. We could have dinners every Sunday, which I would love, right? Man, that would be awesome. We have some pies every Sunday, and well, those crock pots, y'all have to be buying new crock pots every six months because you're just wearing them out. And as good as that would be, that's not really the overall call of the church, is it? The overall call of the church is to, to do the will of the Father to not work for the things of this world, but to work for the glory of God. I want to be a person who works for God. Now, he's not saying be lazy and don't do a job. I think we still need to pay our bills. We still need to you know, take care of our kids, take care of our families. Somehow these lights have to come on every week. But the overall guiding factor in the believer's life is that we want to live for Jesus. We want to be busy about the Father's works. And yes, we're not saved by our works. You know, I, I, I'm not saved because I'm your pastor. I'm not saved because I get up here and preach. I'm saved because of grace through faith. And I only have faith because God gave it to me. That's the only reason. I can't even, I can't, you know, glory in that. that oh man, all of a sudden Daniel had this great aha moment and decided I need to follow Jesus. It's not how it works. It's not how it works at all. Jesus says, you guys are following me for the wrong reason. So you need to be busy, yes, but you need to be busy about the work of God. And so God doesn't just desire work, but he requires it. God is calling us today. And I know that's a heavy, that's probably a heavy first point to throw at you this morning. Maybe you've heard me preach before, maybe you haven't. You're like, man, this guy's telling us we need to be busy. I'm not telling you anything, by the way, okay? It's not Daniel. I didn't say, man, you know. I've noticed some of these people are slacking off here in the last couple of months. I better get on them and tell them they get busy. That's not what we know here. What we know is that if you're saved, then live like it. We should have a desire to see people come to know Christ. 
should be an overwhelming desire in our lives that when we look around, and, and I want you guys to change your, change your viewpoint here, because a lot of times we'll come to church, I'm going to get down here for a moment, okay? I'm going to make y'all real uncomfortable. But a lot of times we come to church, and we look around, and we're like, well, that, that seat's empty, you know? That whole pew right there is empty. I know, Bruce, that really holds your, your coat good there. But that whole pew is empty. And we'll say, well, Daniel's not doing his job, you know? Ray's, Ray's running people off or, you know, whatever. You know, if we had coffee here, then more people would come. You know, we make up all these excuses. We think these thoughts as we're sitting in the pew. And church, what I honestly, honestly think what we need to be thinking today is, man, that ought to be filled with somebody to hear the good news of the gospel. We need to be changing our mindsets. Jesus calls his disciples to be busy about his business. That's all there is to it. You know, and we can continue doing business like we've been doing business, or we can change our mindset and see God glorified. That's, that's the real issue here. An empty pew isn't just an empty pew. It's not just someone's fault. But here's what I want you to understand, that an empty pew is an empty pew of people that are not hearing about Jesus right now. They're not experiencing the goodness of Christ today. And I bet if we went to the park, we'd see a lot of people walking around that park right now in this moment. You go to the lake, there's probably people out there cooking out because it's a nice warm day, right? Maybe somebody out there throwing a line in the water. There may be people doing all kinds of stuff. You go downtown, there's probably people walking up down the street or going to the gas station or you know going to the cafe or whatever. These people need to know about Jesus. And I say that in a loving manner. They need to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it goes back to the point. I don't think we need to be lazy in our work. God only, he doesn't just desire us to be busy. But he requires it. It's a heavy calling when we follow Jesus. I believe we need to consider that today, don't you? These people were missing the point as to why Jesus was even there. They were wanting more bread. Jesus was calling them to something deeper. And I believe in this story today, you and I are called to something deeper. How many of y'all want to go deeper with Jesus? I believe most believers are like, yeah, I want that. But a lot of times we let things get in the way. We let, we let attitudes about things. We let opinions we let maybe even our physical physical problems maybe sometimes get in the way. Maybe it's, it's well, I can't give, so I'm not going to give. Or um, and I'm not really good at speaking, so I'm not going to speak about Jesus. We let these things get in the way. And Jesus is just like simply say, go. Just go. Go do what I've called you to. We need to quit being like these people who, they just want to know how Jesus got somewhere. You know, if they'd been following Jesus like they should, they would have known how it happened. The disciples knew, did they not? They were on the stinking boat. They were afraid they were going to die. And here comes Jesus. And then all of a sudden they're in Capernaum. They knew something happened. These people, they didn't know. And what the church needs today is to be ever closer to God. That when God's moving, we know he's moving because we're right there and we get to enjoy it. It's not our power. But it's, it's an opportunity for us to see God at work. Jesus prompts them here. Work but quit working for the wrong reasons. As a pastor, I've kind of got past the point of I'm going to work for bigger numbers. I did this years ago. I'm not here to get more people in the building as a pastor. I'm here to disciple people to know Jesus. Does that incorporate numbers? Sure, but I've got a lot of friends who have it backwards. They're like, well, how can we get more people here? And that's their only thing. How can we get more people here? And you, and you know, and if, we, if we have a carnival every Sunday to keep people here, guess what we're going to have to have every Sunday? A carnival. But if we're discipling people to know Jesus, they're going to come back because Jesus is preached here. That's what sustains a church. That's, that's how this church has existed for 123 years this April 1st. That's how this happens. It's by the power of God, but it's also by the church being empowered by the power of God to do good works. If you go down to verse 29, they're still asking questions. And understand, this is a conversation. Jesus is like, he's talking with a group of people. And they're probably hungry. They're probably tired. There's, there's probably kids screaming, right? There's all this stuff going on. And Jesus speaks to these people, and, he, and he's having a purposeful conversation. But in verse 27, verse 26, they ask more questions. They're still continuing this conversation. But if you look at verse 28, it says, Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? That's a good question, isn't it? He's kind of he's he's kind of changing their mindset a little bit. At, at the first, they were they were they were wondering how he got from point A to point B, and when are they going to have their next loaf of bread and little fish? That was their question. 
But now they're saying, okay, well, how do we do the work of God? Maybe that's your question today. Maybe you're like, how do I do the work of God? What does that mean? And for several months here, in my first first few sermons that I preached to you guys, I told you guys, and I believe this with my whole heart, that the will of God is what? What is the will of God? It's to bring him glory, right? The will of God is to bring glory to God. And, And that's what Christ is calling these people here to. But he wants us today to understand our calling. Our calling today is not to bring more glory to FBC McLeod, which, by the way, I like to go to preacher meetings and brag about all that the Lord's doing here. But at the same time, I'm not bragging about Daniel. And I'm not even bragging about you good people. I'm bragging about a God who's good. A God who who loves people so much that he doesn't just send his son Jesus. Yeah, he did that. He doesn't just raise Christ from the dead. Yep, he did that. But he also today empowers his body to go out and to proclaim a good news. And we just get to see what happens. It's the gospel that changes people. It's not us. We can scream all day. But if we're not preaching the gospel, we're missing the points. These people are like, well, what is the work of God? You guys see that? What must we do to be doing the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe. Everybody say believe. That you believe in him who he has sent. Up to this point in scripture, I'm a nerd and I went through and counted it. In the ESV, we have seen the word believe 51 times already. 51. By the time you finish the book of John, it's like 150 something. It's a crazy amount of times that you see the word believe. And, And here we see Jesus again throws out this word, what? Believe. He says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus is calling these people to believe in him. Now, do they all get it right away? They don't. Even some of his very elect, his very inner circle disciples, when Jesus was on the cross, they didn't totally understand. Because they all ran away, basically. Right? They all ran away. They were scared. They didn't understand what was going on. They were, they were mourning the loss of their Savior, but Jesus had a better story to tell than they had imagined in their minds. Jesus answered them that the work of God is to believe in Jesus. If we're believing in Jesus, I believe that, that means that we're going to follow Jesus, right? We're not going to be like the crowd. If they really would have believed in Jesus, I don't think I would have ever left his side, but yet they slept, they slumbered, and Jesus, when they woke up in the morning, he was gone. And as the church today, we need to be a people who are following Jesus consistently, constantly, every day, day in, day out. We are following Jesus. We're not just a group of people who say, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but then we don't do anything about it. I really believe this. I don't want to get too political, but I believe that the reason that there's a lot of problems in America today is we have a lot of people who claim to be American, but they don't do anything for America. They just drain it. Can I step on your, can I step on your toes a little bit this morning? Everybody say yes. Okay. The reason I think our churches in America are hurting today is because we got a lot of people who are saying they're Baptists or Methodists or whatever. But when they go to church, they don't do anything for the Lord. They just sit there. They sit there and they judge. They sit there and they wish. They sit there and think about lunch. They sit there and try to excuse their own sin. When when we come to the house of God, we need to be saying, God, what what is it that you want for us? And he says today to us, believe. And even in that, that, that word believe, is that something you and I just all, again, we don't open up one day and just say, oh, I need to believe. That's the Holy Spirit working on your life. That's a gift from God. And the work of God starts with a God-given belief. And here's the thing. I believe there's a lot of people in the church today who believe in Jesus, but they're just not following. They're just not doing what God's called them to. They believe, but there's no works. Somebody remind me what faith without works is. Instead. There's nothing there. Jesus answered them and says here that this is the work of God that you believe and that you follow. That you, that you believe who Jesus is. And we, we, we miss that sometimes, guys. I don't understand why we sometimes just want to, we want to sterilize Christianity. We just want to come to church, have good service, feel better about ourselves and then leave. And then somewhere throughout the week, we're going to have a bad day. And then we come to church and then we feel better because we came to church. That's not what church is about anyways. Church is about bringing glory to God. And I don't know about y'all, but I am so happy today that God has opened my eyes to believe. 
I, I don't honestly, I honestly just don't understand how people even survive in this world today without Jesus in their life. I look at Ukraine and all that's going on over there. And as devastating as that is, I've heard so many good stories of believers in Jesus Christ who are just, man, they're just rocking and rolling over there with bombs flying in the air and everything else. They're still living for Jesus. I'd like to think in my heart of hearts that if something like that were to happen here, that we, we would be close to Christ even in that time. What I see with the church in Ukraine is not just that they are existing, that they still meet, but guys, they continue to follow Jesus. doesn't matter the season. doesn't matter what Putin throws their way. They're going to continue to follow Jesus. And that is a God-given gift. It is a belief that is given from God. Quit thinking that you reach some point in your life and you're like, I'm good enough or I need to do better. None of us will ever reach that point. We are despicable people. Say amen. We are despicable people. Our sin literally leads us to the grave. Our sin literally leads us to hell. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a gift. I can't brag about it. I'd like to sometimes. (laughs) I'd like to say, man, Daniel's doing some good stuff. I can't even brag about anything I do. There's so many of us in here, we think, well, I can find my way to heaven. I can work my way to heaven. When most of us couldn't drive from here to Northwest Oklahoma City and find a a, a store, you know, without getting our Google out or something like that. Everybody say, yeah, that's true. We Google everything. Joni and I will be sitting there watching a show, and we're like, what have we seen that actor in? You know, where, where did we see that actress at? And I always kind of count, like, how long is this going to take for one of us to pick up our phone and Google, right? But yet, for some reason, we think we can get all the way to heaven on our own knowledge. It's ridiculous. So we must do the work of God. And the reason we can do the work of God is because we've been given belief from God, from Him. Ephesians 2, Paul's writing to the church there in Ephesus, and he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's interesting. He doesn't say, for by grace you have been saved through being a Baptist. He doesn't say, for by grace you've been saved through baptism. For by, for by grace you've been saved through communion. For by grace you've been saved by giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering or whatever, you know? That, that's not how we're saved. We're saved by faith. And faith is what? A gift of God. He goes on, he says, this is not your own doing. Seems like we've been talking about that this morning, right? This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Guys, we understand today, and I think it changes it changes our relationship. It changes how we do ministry. It changes how we evangelize when we understand that God has been so good to us. And we don't we can't brag about anything. You haven't sustained your relationship with God. You haven't, you haven't, you know, done enough prayers or enough penance to save you. That's something that God has done through you. He's the one that sustains us. He's the great sustainer. He's the, he's the giver of life. And so we got to understand today that, that all this starts with belief and belief starts with knowing Jesus and belief is a gift from God. Everybody say amen. That's all it is. We go on to verse 32. The, the conversation here continues with the, uh, the response of Jesus here. Verse 31, they're asking the question, you know, our fathers, they ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Again, these people are looking for signs. They're looking for something miraculous. They're wanting, and I, I can't blame them. They're basically in slavery to Rome right now. They're wanting some big changes to happen. You ever want something big to happen like right now? I, I've been there before. You know, you put an application in for something, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's a job, you want to figure out this job situation and you have to wait, right? Maybe maybe you've applied to, to, to maybe you're buying a house or you're buying a car, so you got to wait. You ever had those times in your life and you're just like, I want it just to happen now. And these people were in that boat. They're like, we want this to happen right now. We want this now. This is, this is something we want to be, to be going on in our lives right now in this moment. We want to see a sign. Jesus answers this, you know, this very holy question or this holy 
comment these people said. Well, hey, you know, when our people were in the desert, God fed us. Are you going to feed us, Jesus? Are you going to give us some manna today? Is that what you're going to do? Jesus said to them, verse 32, Truly, truly, I say to you, it's not Moses. <laughs> I love this. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus, again, he's having this conversation and they're trying to get all holy and quote like historical stuff that happened with the Jewish people. And he brings it right back to the present. He says, you know what? God has sent you bread and that bread is me. And that bread will fill you for your whole life. Salvation is more than a sign. It's the third point I want us to say this morning. Salvation is more than a sign. Salvation is a gift from God. Everybody chew on that for a moment. It's not a sign. I think a lot of times we think, well, when I get saved, I'm going to cry a whole bunch, right? I'm not saying we don't cry when we get saved. Or, or when you get saved, that the preacher preaches like this awesome sermon. That may happen. The music, I can tell you guys the song that was played when I decided to follow Jesus. It was the old rugged cross. It was verse 2 right before the chorus. Brother Dole again was preaching this sermon. I can tell you, like, I mean, I can remember details of, of my, my conversion, so, so to speak, experience. I, I remember when the Lord gave me belief so I could follow Jesus. I, I can remember that night just like it was yesterday. But it wasn't just a sign to me. Did I cry that night? Probably. I was nine years old. Probably did. Did, did I feel you know, really good in my spirit? Was there a joy? Was there people around me who were experiencing joy when they found out I gave my life to the Lord? I'm sure there was. But salvation is not a sign for us. Salvation is a gift from God. Some of the biggest decisions I've made in my life, I made with a somber face. Our spirituality is not dictated by our emotions. I always remember emotions are unstable like the ocean. I like that because it kind of rhymes. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. But emotions are unstable. I mean, you can be happy. For instance, you ever been really hungry? Everybody say yes. You ever seen a McDonald's down the road? Everybody say yes. Let's all just get it out there. We've all eaten McDonald's before, okay? But you're waiting in line, and how many of us are hungry, in line, and we're really impatient with the people in front of us? Like you almost have a sinful amount of hate for that person in front of you. Because I know we've all asked it, what did you order, you know? What, what, did you have them go kill a cow? To, you know, what, what, what did you order to take so stinking long? But as soon, most of us, before we even get out of the driveway, everything changes because we put those first few fries in, and we're just happy-go-lucky. That's your emotions. We can't base spiritual truths on emotions going on in our life. Our emotions change all the time. Be happy one moment, sad the next. I don't know if you're a Tom Brady fan, but you know that that last game he played in, which apparently he's coming back now. But that last game he played in, I mean, he came back almost single-handedly and almost won the game. And I thought, man, Brady's going to do it again. He's going to win it again. And then it was just like, boom, they, they lost. I can remember several years ago, Joni and I and the kids, we got to go to the first playoff of the Oklahoma City Thunder. You remember those good old golden days? And I remember we were beating the Los Angeles Lakers, and we were going to move on. You know, if we win this game, we're moving on. We're sitting up there and, and we're watching this and we're like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, like Katie and Westbrook back in those good old days when we loved those guys and we don't like them so much now. But, but we're sitting there in the stands and we're thinking, they're going to beat like, you know, they're going to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. They're going to beat the Mamba. They're gonna, they're, this is going to happen right here in Oklahoma City. Oh, that hurts. I'm not a big Kobe fan or wasn't. I'm God rest his soul. But I, I wasn't a big Kobe fan then either, you know. That wasn't something I was, I never liked the guy. But I remember they were tied up. If I remember the situation right here, they were tied up. And the Lakers throw the ball in. And who do they throw it to? Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant steps off to the side and drains a three. End of game. I was so happy and then just sick. You've been there before, hadn't you? And for some reason, we want to base 
if we're going to go to church or not based on our emotions. We base whether we pray or not based on our emotions. A lot of us, we pray when we're sad. You ought to be praying when you're happy too. You ever tried that before? It's really great, man. You're praying when you're happy, when things are going good. It's really good praying then. You ever read your Bible just because you just want God to speak to you? Salvation is a, it's definitely it's a gift from God. It's not an emotion. It's not a sign. It's not these things. Isaiah understood it. Isaiah 45. Isaiah's writing, of course, to these, these, these dumb people who just will not turn to God and follow God, right? If you ever read through the book of Isaiah, he's constantly trying to get these people to follow God. He's talking about a lot of things with them. Hey, there's only one God. You need to follow him. Quit following these other pagan gods. You're, you're in captivity because you won't follow God. He's, he's constantly just saying this to them. And Isaiah 45, he reminds them who God is. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. He's not just talking about rain. Stay with me. Let the earth open up. That salvation and righteousness may bear fruits. Let the earth cause them to both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Isaiah's writing about salvation. Where does salvation come from? You should know this is the church, right? Salvation is from God from God alone. And he reminds these people, he reminds them, hey, it's from God. This is where salvation comes from. And not just salvation, but righteousness. And not just righteousness, but catch this, fruit. Here's what I believe. If we are truly following God, God has truly set us free, then there will be fruit. We're going to see it. We're going to see fruit. There's going to be things in our life we're just going to be like, oh, wow. And it's nothing we can back, brag about, you know? Tomorrow I get to travel to poor Oklahoma. Um, one of the joys of being like a pastor in a small town is that you basically pastor the whole town whether they come to church or not. And there was a, a young lady, she was in our youth group years ago, and her sister came up in the youth group, and we just had opportunity to feed, feed them spiritually. Joni was their teacher at school, that kind of thing. We really got to know these girls. Their, their mom and their dad were just, you know, they're, they're lost addicted, you name it. But her daddy died. And who did she get a hold of in her darkest hour? I'm not bragging about Daniel. I'm not, she, she got a hold of Joni too. I'm not bragging about us, but I'm saying the Lord uses us, right? And, you know, because I could be like a lot of pastors and say, well, I'm too busy. I'm in McLeod now. You need to find another preacher. I could say that, I reckon, but I, I think what I really need to be saying is, okay, God, you've opened up an opportunity for me to reach some people. I know these girls heard the gospel. I know these girls know Jesus. They, they understood who he was. Are they still doing what they need to be? I'm not sure. But tomorrow I get the opportunity maybe to ignite some fire, to point some people in the right direction. I'm pretty sure Daddy wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing even in his later stages. But even in that, you know, the Lord gives us opportunity just to witness people. And something that stuck out to me, I'm not bragging about me, maybe I am, but I'm not bragging about me. But the, the daughter, she said, well, the, you're the person that daddy would have wanted to preach his funeral. I'm like, what? I'm the person that your daddy would want to preach his funeral. Here's a guy that never darkened the doors of our church except for other funerals, right? He might have came down to the food pantry once or twice. I worked several medical calls at their houses, that kind of thing. But the thing that we understand that we know today is that God gives us opportunity to reach people we don't even know. And that's a gift from God. Your salvation is not just a gift to yourself, it's also a gift to people around you. Believe it or not, if you're a believer in Jesus and you've been saved and then you're telling others, that's a gift from God. I can't brag about my situation tomorrow and getting to go and to preach at this funeral. I, I can't brag about it a bit. The Lord orchestrated this, and I believe the Lord's going to be glorified through it. That's different though, right? A lot of times we view church in a different way. We view our own spiritual walks in a different way. Salvation is not just a sign. I wasn't just given a sign yesterday that what I'm doing is right. I'm given, I'm given a thought. I'm given a, I'm given a truth. Salvation's from God. And that tomorrow I have the opportunity Speak to some people so that they can know God. Is it sad that people die? Yeah. Do I have a hope for this guy that he went to heaven? I have a hope, but I don't know. I didn't know the guy. I don't. I can't judge in that way, but I can 
No, what scripture teaches us is that our only hope is in Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Salvation is a gift from God. Last, last point I want us to look at this morning, verses 35 through 40. I, I like how Jesus kind of wraps all this up and he doesn't just leave it open-ended here, right? He, he, do, he clarifies some things in this last little passage here. He, he's been speaking back and forth and they're not really getting it, but then we get to verse 35 and he clarifies it. He gets a little more straightforward with them. It's beautiful what he says. I'm going to read it again because I think we need to hear it as the church today. Verse 35 says, I am the bread of life. What have they been talking about for two days? <laughs> bread, right? How are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? Hey, Jesus, you left. What are we going to eat now? Bread, 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 bread. That's all they're talking about It's bread. And Jesus tells them this, I am the bread of life. Is that the Jesus you serve today? Is he all you think about? Is he the only thing that satisfies? I really hate that bread has carbs in it, don't you? I love bread. My brother-in-law, he proposed to his, his beautiful fiance, or I don't know what you call it, a girlfriend. Now they're fiance. Then they'll be married. But they're getting married in June. And um, proposed over a game of Monopoly. Very romantic. But Johnny and I were talking. He was like, man, I've got a wedding coming up. we got to look our best for that wedding. you know? Because that, that's where they take pictures. And those things are like for time and for eternity, right? You're going to remember those pictures. And so we're like, we, we want. And so our, our goal is to cut bread back, right? Carbs. And I'm like, oh, okay, but I really don't really want to do this at all. Something great about bread is that it's very nourishing. <laughs> There's a reason we like it. There's a reason we like it. And guys, I want you to understand today that it's time to quit filling our lives with junk, with empty foods. It's time to, to fill our lives with Jesus. It's time to be a, a people who, who desire Christ, who desire who He is. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. How many of y'all want life today? How many of you want life for this community? I hear, I hear what they're saying, you know, five years down the road, this town may look very differently with all the coming changes. Oklahoma City's moving this way and Shawnee's moving this way. And it's just a lot of changes coming up for our community. And that's good, but that's not life. Life is knowing Jesus. Right now we were talking the other day, just what's this place going to look like in five years? What's this, what's this place going to look like in, in 10 years? I believe we have an awesome opportunity to reach a lot of people. But what the church needs to understand today is that Jesus is the bread of life. We need to be, we need to be a people who are feasting on that. We need to be a people who are not just feasting on it, but we're sharing it too. This is what we need to be defined as, as FBC McLeod, as a people who love Jesus and we love people. We, we write that on stuff, don't we? I, I see it, uh, loving God, loving people and all that. I love that. But we need to live it out too, right? Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. The last point I want us to look at this morning, salvation is the desire of a good God. Amen. Salvation is, is the desire of a good God for a broken mankind. I look around the world today, I see a lot of brokenness. I worked for Oklahoma Department of Human Services for more years than I want to say I did. Saw a lot of brokenness. A lot of terrible things. You know, when, when, you, when you pull up to a situation where dad had just molested the kids and I've got to handle that situation, that's rough. It sticks in your crawl. There's a lot of brokenness in this world, but there's wholeness in Jesus. There's, there's salvation in Jesus. And guys, honestly, the desire of God today is that people be saved. Jesus didn't just come as the bread so he could proclaim, I'm the bread of life. Continue that verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Shall never thirst. Jesus is that eternal life. That He's that eternal, that eternal love, that eternal peace, that eternal joy that every human desires. We all desire that in our lives. Of course, he goes on through there and he says, you know, the, the Father sent me and I and the Father are one. And there's all this, this discussion that he gives there and he, he's claiming his Godhood. He hadn't been doing this very long. He's just really kind of started telling people, you know what, I'm Messiah. 
I'm the son of God. I work by the power of God. God has sent me here. He, you know, all these terminologies that he's setting here. And of course, the big word, believe. He's telling people, you better believe in me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm all of these things. God desires that people know him. I know there's a lot of theological just debates today. A lot of people want to just lose time on that. But what I do know is that God commanded us to evangelize. He's commanded us to go. He's commanded us to be busy. He's commanded us to go out and tell people about who he is. He's commanded us to do these things. And yet some way we just look at these as, well, these are just suggestions. Well, I suggest that if you want to grow your church, then this is what you need to do. No, he's telling us whether this church grows or not, right? He's commanded us to get out there and get to work. That's the truth. I spent a good probably seven or eight years in Porum working a kids ministry where we literally helped every kid in that town. Other churches sent their kids to our church, you know? And then one year, school starts, and we have about a third of the number than we had before. I'm like, where did all these kids go? Like, we were running like 100 kids on every Wednesday night, you know? I know some of you are like, that's crazy. Yeah, it was. We literally had to have, you know, the, uh, the police come and monitor the streets. We, I mean, we, we, had to, we, did, we did it right. But we go from that to like a third of that number, maybe. We're like, where did all these kids go? We get to look around the other churches in town. They had started kids' ministries. And I could have been like, those are our kids, you know? We invested in them. It's not why we do this. We do this so that people might know Jesus. We do this so that, you know, 10 or 15 years down the line, when daddy dies, they know who to call. Not Daniel, Jesus. Ministry is huge. What we do as the church is big. It's not, it's not just, well, we gotta make quota, we gotta, you know, have meetings, we gotta, you know, we have to meet on Sunday. We have to meet every Wednesday. We have to have prayer meeting. We have to do this. We have to do, no, here's what we have to do. We have to tell people about Jesus. That's what we have to do. Because there's not just people right now that need to know about Jesus, but the work you're doing now has eternal implications. And if the Lord tarries, the work you're doing now is going to touch people down the line. You know, what's really cool is that you came to Christ because of saints that went before you by the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. So God's desire, I see it. Like the more, the older I get, the more that I do ministry, the more I see that God loves people. And that call goes out to me that I need to love people too. But we lose it. We lose it. We get caught up in everything else in life. Well, like a good, good Irishman, I got to talk about St. Patrick, right? Oh, St. Patrick. I got to talk about him a little bit this morning. I don't want to lift him up though. I know a lot of our knowledge of St. Patrick is kind of hearsay and, you know, legend or whatever. But there's a, there's a prayer, St. Patrick's Breastplate. Have you guys ever read that before? It's beautiful. If you never read it, you need to go home and read it. But I, I, I kind of model my daily prayer when I wake up in the morning after this, not really because of St. Patrick, even though that's kind of cool because I'm Irish, but I look at the prayer because it really calls the church, it calls believers to right thinking. He, he says today in his breastplate prayer, he says, um, I arise today through God's strength to pilot me. God's might to uphold me. God's wisdom to, to guide me. God's eyes to see before me. God's ear to hear me. God's word to speak for me. God's hand to guard me. God's way to lie before me. God's shield to protect me. God's host to secure me against snares of devils, against temptations and vices, against inclinations of nature against everyone who shall wish me ill, afar and away, alone and in a crowd. Listen to this. Christ with me. Listen to these words and make this your prayer this morning. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ where I lie, Christ where I sit. Christ in the heart, I love this one, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. <laughs> Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Salvation 
is of Jesus. May your salvation, O Lord, be ever with us. The the call of the church today is to grow ever closer. I've had a bit, you know, in the last several years of my life, a bit of a revival. We all go through ups and downs, right? And and in the last several years, I've just had like a revival in my heart. And I know it's for a reason. Apparently, he moved me to McLeod, Oklahoma. I think God is wanting to do something great. I know he is. I just get to be a part of it, right? But the call that I feel, the, the, the call that I feel in my life is that I need to get closer to God. I need to, I need to have that type of prayer. I'm not saying you got to pray St. Patrick's Prayer in order for this to happen. It's just a prayer. It's just his heart. He's calling God to be in every part of his being. That even the people that talk about you, you're praying that they'll be ready to hear the gospel. That they'll be ready to know Jesus. Church today, we need, we need to be real in our faith. And I believe knowing Jesus leads us to that. These definitions, these, these deeper looks as to who Jesus is, it leads us to believe more and just glory in the fact that we're going to live forever. Amen, church? And if that's the case, let us be called to action today. But if you do not know Christ today, you've never asked Jesus into your hearts. You know without a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die right now, you wouldn't even know where you'd spend eternity. You may doubt that there's even a God, but here's what I do believe. I believe there's a Holy Spirit that's speaking to your heart right now, and he's calling you to repentance. It's a work of God. You can't can't boast about it. I can't boast about it. It's something God has done. He's calling us to repentance because here's the thing. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Today, if you need to be saved, I want you to come to these altars. I don't want you to hold back anymore. I don't want you to say, oh, I'll get saved later or wait till a better time. If the Lord is calling you right now, do not negate that. Come forward today and give your life to Jesus. If you're hearing this later, if you're hearing this later, you're, you're listening to a podcast or whatever later, I want you to understand that today could be your day of salvation. Give your life to Jesus today. Give me a call. I'd love to pray here in a day or two when someone's listening to this. and Show them that there's a better way. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Today may all glory be given to him. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I love you. I thank you. Your word speaks to our hearts. Jesus, I pray that your your desire is in our hearts to see people saved. God, I pray that we will will pray as St. Patrick supposedly prayed, Lord, Lord, his desire was that you were everywhere, that you went before him, that you directed his life. Today, may we have that same desire, and not for our glory, but for your glory. Father, call people to repentance today. Call people to believe and live in your most holy name. Amen.